Time travel is real, but not the way you think. Too small for prison? Hmm. The world's blackest black, but you've probably heard of the blackest black. What you haven't heard of yet is the world's whitest white. And we'll tell you about it coming up. And also, what is a glabella? We're going to tell you what a glabella is tonight if you don't already know welcome to the jay sheldon show (sighs) is it monday (laughs) yeah it's monday but it's just after 10 o'clock at night here in malaysia so monday's almost in the history books and uh for those of you in the u.s it's just getting started good luck (laughs) what a nightmare over there i swear to god you guys have got the most I thought Malaysia was screwed up politically. Well, you ain't got nothing on the U.S. Oh, my goodness. We usually don't talk about that crap because everybody else talks about it. And we try and be a show that kind of gives you a break from the usual politic crap. But uh, it's out there. You can find it all over the place. We just want to take a few minutes, half an hour, an hour to kind of talk about some wacky stuff. Occasionally something controversial, but uh, most of the time just the uh, the blackest black, the whitest white, and how you can possibly be too small for prison. It's actually a thing. <laughs> All right, let's get you updated on this little lady. Miko update. The Miko update. Miko is uh, refusing to eat half of her dinner. Ten minutes ago, I was downstairs on my hands and knees in front of a dog food dish, feeding my dog by hand. Because, you know, it's just the thing with her. She's spoiled rotten. It's my fault. I did it. But that's just the way it goes. Uh, she uh, was doing great. In Oh, you know what? Do I want to show this? Uh... All right, I will. It's embarrassing as hell, and I cannot believe you posted this. But I'm going to share it. If you're listening to the podcast, the audio-only part of our show, be very, very, very grateful. This was me. I see, I didn't lie. That is me on my hands and knees, hand-feeding this bloody dog. That was me about 10 minutes ago. I'm not kidding. Okay, enough of that. You've seen enough already. (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, There is one more. There's one more set here. Let me just, I'll pop this on quickly. This was her after her shower on Sunday. I went out to shake out the towel that we use. And of course, she loves fighting with the towel. So that turned into a, a towel fight. So yeah, that's me. And uh, that's my usual Sunday, go to meet and close. And uh, that's Miko fighting with me with the towel. So there you go. She's doing great. I have a feeling Miko's time of the month is coming because it just seems that way for various reasons that I won't bore you with. But uh, I kind of have a feeling that it's, it's on the way. All right. Time travel. 
not the kind of time travel you're thinking about. You get in a machine and you go into the future or you go into the past and all that stuff. But when you think about it, literally, this is time travel. There's two articles here. One is from Al Jazeera. And the other is from uh, allthatsinteresting.com. The links are in our show notes, which is our description down below. You'll find it down there. By the way, while you're digging around down there, there's a button called follow or subscribe. If you click on that, it's absolutely free and it would really help this show out a lot. Thank you so much if you wouldn't mind doing that, whether you're on Rumble or YouTube, uh, twitch.tv or Facebook Live. Just click on that follow or subscribe button, and we'd really appreciate it. Uh, Canon03 has joined the stream. Hello, there. Is that a Jason mask? I can't quite. It looks like it might be a Jason mask. Anyway, (laughs) oh, Canon. All right. Uh, A former prisoner feels like he's time-traveled. I I know, but this is an amazing. There's a video. I'm not going to play the video because of copyright and all that. But check it out. The link's in our show notes. And when when I read this, I thought, you know, that's exactly right. This gentleman right here in this video uh, thumbnail spent 44 years in prison. 44 years of his life behind bars. He went into prison in the 1970s. And he's only just been released. He is now 69 years old. If a time traveler from the 70s suddenly popped into this totally effed up world we live in today, can you imagine? He's quoted here as saying, I had seen that everybody or the majority of the people were talking to themselves. Then I looked closer and they seemed to have things in their ears with the phone things. iPhones, they call them, or something like that. And I thought to my mind, what? Everybody became CIA or agents and stuff like that? Otis Johnson was sent to prison in 1975. He was 25 years old. He was just released last summer, 44 years later. Basically, took him out of society, plopping him in a prison cell, and sent him back out today, 44 years later. After being removed from society for the attempted murder of a policeman, he was released with just an ID, the documents concerning his case, two bus tickets, and 40 bucks. Without any family, any outside help, Johnson was expected to navigate through the modern world all by himself. Al Jazeera, which is the second link in our show notes under in today's show, uh, they followed him around New York City as he rejoined a metropolis he hardly recognized and marveled at the new food, new technology that surrounded him. Imagine what life would have been like in 1975, and then suddenly you're dumped into today's world. With aid from Fortune Society, a nonprofit that provides housing and services to ex-prisoners in New York City, Johnson can finally begin a new life outside of prison. He's quoted here as saying, Everything happens for a reason, I believe. So I try to let that go and deal with the future instead of dealing with the past. Amazing. 
Here is the Al Jazeera video, My Life After 44 Years in Prison, One Man's Story of Reintegration with the Modern World. And there's more details here about, uh, about uh, Mr. Johnson. And, uh, but seriously, that's why I, I labeled it time travel. It really is legit time travel. 1975 to 2022. And suddenly you're in today's world. Things that didn't, the internet while it existed, not really, not the certainly not the way we know it now. Not even the old dial-up motors, modems, which came about in what the early '80s. None of that existed. Handphones, nothing. Insane. When you just take a moment and stop and think about what somebody's life would be like if they suddenly popped into today's world. Can you call little people, you know, this political correct bulls today, you never know what to say. And frankly, I don't really give a crap. I'll say what I want to say. And if you're offended by that, well, that's just too bad. You can go piss off and sit in the corner because so you got offended. Big deal. I don't care. All right. Having said that, this article uses the word dwarf. I assume they probably, because, you know, people who write articles are concerned about what other people think and not offending anybody. So anyway, this is from allthatsinteresting.com also. Links in our show notes. Check it out. It's stupidest story, I swear to God. Pedophile dwarf spared jail time because he's too short. Just the headline alone is enough. Okay, that's it. Good night, everybody. (laughs) It's a horrific story. The guy deserves to be in jail. He was arrested after he contacted two children on Facebook and asked them for sex and naked pictures. A dwarf who solicited sexual acts from teenage girls is avoiding serving any prison time because of his height. I kid you not. The Sun reported that Brian Anthony Bowen, a man with dwarfism from Powes, Wales, has avoided prison time because of his small size. After being convicted, found guilty of inducing two underage teenage girls to carry out sex acts. Bowen, who was 26 years old, was arrested after he contacted two kids aged 13 and 15 on their Facebook pages, asked them for sex and to send naked pictures. The 15-year-old girl first attempted to block Bowen after he'd sent her a message saying, do you want to insert expletive here? Uh, And uh, then he sent her another nasty message. Police arrested Bowen for harassing sexual messages. They found another message on his laptop to the 13-year-old, asked whether she had a boyfriend, direct, and, and other lewd things. Right after his arrest, he claimed he thought the girls were over 16, but he later pled guilty to two counts of inciting a child to carry out a sex act. Now get this moron. Judge Rise Rowland, who presided over Bowen's sentencing, described the man as small in stature 
and emotionally inadequate. He said Bowen would have a very hard time in prison. He says Bowen, who has learning difficulties and went to a special school, was, quote, trying to live out some sort of fantasy, end quote. Yeah, an illegal one. For these reasons, this idiot judge decides to suspend Bowen's prison sentence. He was sentenced to 48 weeks in prison. And frankly, that isn't even a year for what he did. Are you kidding me? What is up, Wales? He was given a rehabilitation order that includes a three-month curfew from 9 p.m., to 7 a.m. That is disgusting. He will have to register as a sex offender for 10 years. So because he is short, he gets no prison time, less than a year sentence, and has a curfew. Where do we get these judges? Where do we get these loser judges? Are you kidding me? I said we don't cover much heavy on the show. This is pretty heavy. There's the loser here. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This guy basically walks for that. He ought to be in prison. I don't care how tall he is for the rest of his freaking life. Unbelievable. Okay, I need some coffee. Hey. Have you heard the story? It's been out for a while now. Uh, Black and white. Black is the absence of all colors. White is all the colors. Black absorbs light, which is why if you live in a country like I do, you really shouldn't own a black car because it's hot and black cars are hot. Ideally, you should own a white car because white reflects the heat. Your car stays cooler. The world's blackest black, we're going to talk about that in a bit, but that's old news. People have known about the world's blackest black for a long time. How about the world's whitest white? Yeah, somebody's made it. Purdue has made the world's whitest white in paint form It reflects so much light that the surface actually becomes cooler than the surrounding air. Scientists at Purdue University created the whitest white paint ever developed. New paint actually will cool the surfaces that it's applied to. It could potentially reduce the need for climate-unfriendly air conditioners. That's the second whitest white to come out from these researchers. They believe this is about as white as any material could ever be. A few years ago, they announced that they had created the blackest black ever, a place where colors would go to die. It was called Vanta Black, and it was so absorptive of light, visible light, that only the tiniest amount escaped its surface to reflect back to your eyes. All that light energy is dissipated into the surrounding substrate. So Vanta Black doesn't become hot. Okay, cool. 
Well, there, most outside paints actually warm the surface on your house, uh, which they're applied to. Uh, there are some reflective paints on the market, but only about 80-90% effective of, of uh, reflective of sunlight. Sunlight. <laughs> Not enough for a cooling effect. Uh, but uh, this stuff, 98.1% reflective of sunlight. 98.1% of the sunlight that hits it bounces off. If you were to use this paint to cover a roof area of about 1,000 square feet, we estimate you could get a cooling power of about 10 kilowatts. That is more powerful than the central air cons used by most homes. We don't have central air con here, hardly anywhere. Hardly any home here, except for the uber, uber rich. <laughs> and that ain't me, have, uh, have central air. We all just have units in our walls, or our, not windows so much, but our walls. Anyway, that's a picture of it. It is the whitest white. And it is amazing. If it's cheap enough, be selling it for house paint. Why not? Cool stuff. Now, related to this, we talked about the blackest black. Well, BMW has put it to the test. You ready for this? Take a look at this. This is a BMW X6, X6 <laughs> which they painted in Vanta Black. That's the paint we just told you about that says black as black can get. It is the world's blackest black. Take a, you can even tell from this picture, even though it's not a great uber high-res shot, but you can tell how dark that black is. Vanta black absorbs 99.96 of visible light and can be created at 400 degrees Celsius. NASA had previously developed a similar substance that was grown at 750 degrees Celsius, so it required materials to be more heat-resistant than Vanta Black. But this is a BMW X6 Vanta Black. That would be cool to see driving down the road. If you're going to paint your... I saw... What was it? It was a Beamer. It was a BMW, as a matter of fact. Yesterday, last night, we're coming back from dinner, and some moron painted his BMW, I forget, it might have been a 5 Series? Anyway, it was an older one. But they actually painted it this... Hey, there's Miko, she's doing well. <laughs> they actually painted it this awful shade of green. And it's, it's not like army green. It's a light, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a lighter shade of an army green. It was like this pea soup dude you spent all that money on a five series beamer what the hell did you go ruin it for with this pea soup green paint job it's it's unique it's uniquely ugly okay oh i did however out on the highway about a week ago i saw a mustang a ford must we have ford mustangs in this country they're incredibly expensive Somebody had painted it or stickered it gold, not dull gold, shiny, bright, metallic gold. Normally, I would say that's kind of gross, but honestly, this was a very cool looking Mustang. I mean, Mustangs are hot no matter what color they are, even maybe baby puke green. 
No. But but this gold shiny Mustang smoking hot. Smoking hot. All right. Do you know what your glabella is? I'm going to tell you. How many people show of hands, you know what your glabella is? It's right here. If you're listening on the podcast, I'll describe it to you. The space in between your eyebrows, mine is wrinkled from doing this all the time. What? That's your glabella. I, I didn't know it had a name. And in fact, there's a whole list of things that I didn't know had names, but they do. And you'll find the link to it in our show notes. I'm gonna, not going to, there's like 20 of them. I don't think I'm going to go through all of them. Uh the way it smells after rain. Oh, I love that. I love the smell after a rainstorm has gone through. Do you know that has a name? It's called Petrachor. The way it smells after rain is called Petrachor. The plastic or metallic coating at the end of your shoelace is called an aglet. These things have names. We just assume that they are. I mean, we don't call them anything. It's that thing in the piece of plastic or metal at the end of your shoelace. Well, it's an aglet. Uh, <laughs> if you're hungry, you know how your stomach tends to grumble when you're hungry? There's a word for that. It's called a womble. Oh, my stomach is wombling. That actually is a good name for a stomach grumble, a womble. Uh, The cry of a newborn baby has a name. It's called, oh no, it's called vaginitis, which sounds awful, but that's officially the name of the cry of a newborn baby. The prongs of a fork are called tines. Well, we, most people, I think, knew that. Uh, Oh, the sheen of light that you see when you close your eyes and you press your hands, you know, you go like this and you press your hands on your eyes and you see light. Well, don't, you know, don't do that very long because it's not good for you. There's a name for that. It's called phosphenes, that light that you see. These are the strangest things. Did I tell you this show covers the wacky, weird stuff? Well, here you go. What more proof do you need? More reason for you to subscribe and follow and follow us on our podcast over at Spotify or Apple or anywhere you get your podcast. Look for the Jay Sheldon show and hit subscribe or follow. All right, one or two more and then we're going to move on. The wired cage that holds the cork and a bottle of champagne. Oh, yeah, the thing you have to twist and then you take the wire cage off and then you work the cork and and it pops. That wire cage is called an agraffe. A-G-R-A-F-F-E. Agraffe. I did not know that. Okay, this is weird. You know, let me let me think of an example. Na 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 na. Hey hey, goodbye. Okay, you know that song? It's a very old school song. Some of my audience will know it. The na 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 and the la la la, which don't really have any meaning in the lyrics of a song. They're called vocables. So that na 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 hey hey goodbye the nanas are vocables now you know now you can go impress your friends or win a barbet 
Okay, one more because I have this in the worst possible form lately. For the past month, I've had this. I have had dysania. I've had the worst case of dysania. You probably have dysania more often than you know, too. Do you know what dysania is? The condition of finding it difficult to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Yes. Now you know what you have. It's dysania. Insane. All right, this list, and there's more of them in there. Check it out. Impress your friends. It is on our uh, our show notes, our which is our description down below, and you can uh, you can check that out. All right. Um, hey, don't forget, by the way, if you'd really like to help the show out, and if you uh, if you're a regular listener and appreciate what we do, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Jay Sheldon. I realized there was not actually a hyperlink in our description, so I have changed that. Now it is. All you got to do is click on it. It's the very first one. It says, give me some loving. And uh, it's relatively inexpensive. In fact, it's damn cheap. And uh, if you are uh, so inclined, I would ask uh, humbly that you go over to patreon.com and the link in our show notes. Do what you can over there. Appreciate it. There's just two tier levels. Very simple, very easy. Doesn't cost much more than a cup of coffee. And it helps the show out a lot. So thank you for that. We don't spend a lot of time plugging stuff like that, but... Uh, Every now and then, we want to get a word or two in. Hopefully, someone will uh, take off and help us out. All right, let's get on to it. It's time to move on to our book. We read books on this show. There's only two chapters left. We're doing The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. It comes from the Gutenberg Project. And every chapter is a new adventure. We don't read the whole chapter because it would be here for two hours. But uh, we break it up into parts and segments. And uh, I don't read ahead. I don't read this stuff until I read it live for you guys. So uh, we have done all kinds of great books here. And you can go back all the way to, I think, our third show is when we started The Wizard of Oz. We did Peter Pan, The Little Prince, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, We've done a ton of them. Uh, The Velveteen Rabbit, Winnie the Pooh. They're all there, and you can find out wherever the first chapter was when we started it. I usually label it in the show notes or the description, and uh, and you can read through with us. All right, uh, adventure number 10, uh, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and it, this is called The Adventure of the Noble Bachelor. The Lord St. Simon Marriage and Its Curious Termination have long ceased to be a subject of interest of these exalted circles in which the unfortunate bridegroom moves. Fresh scandals have ellipsed it, and their more piquant details have drawn the gossips away from this four-year-old drama. As I have reason to believe, however, that the full facts have never been revealed to the general public, and as my friend Sherlock Holmes had a considerable share in clearing the matter up, I feel no memoir of him would be complete without some sketch of his remarkable episode. It was a few weeks before my own marriage, during the days when I was still sharing rooms with Holmes in Baker Street, that he came home from an afternoon stroll to find a letter on the table waiting for him. I'd remained indoors all day, for the weather had taken a sudden turn to rain with high autumnal winds and the Giselle bullet which I'd brought back in one of my limbs as a relic of my Afghan campaign, throbbing with dull persistency. 
With my body in one easy chair and my legs upon another, I'd surrounded myself with a cloud of newspapers until at last, saturated with the news of the day, I tossed them all aside and lay listless, watching the huge crest and monogram upon the envelope on the table, and wondering lazily who my friend's noble correspondent could be. Well, here is a very fashionable epistle, I remarked as he entered. Your morning letters, if I remember right, were from a fishmonger and a tide-waiter. Uh, yes, my correspondence has certainly the charm of variety, he answered, smiling. And the humbler are usually the more interesting. This one looks of those unwelcome social summonses which call upon a man either to be bored or to lie. He broke the seal and glanced over the contents. Oh, come, it may prove to be something of interest after all. Not social, then? No, distinctly professional. And from a noble client? One of the highest in England. My dear fellow, I congratulate you. I assure you, Watson, without affection, that the status of my client is a matter of less moment to me than the interest of his case. It's just possible, however, that that also may not be wanting in this new investigation. You've been reading the papers diligently of late, have you not? It looks like it, said I, ruefully, pointing to a huge bundle in the corner. I have nothing else to do. It's fortunate, for you will perhaps be able to post me up. I read nothing except the criminal news and the agony column. The latter's always instructive, but... If you followed recent events so closely, you must have read about Lord St. Simon and his wedding. Oh, yes, with the deepest of interest. Well, that's well. The letter which I hold in my hand is from Lord St. Simon. I will read it to you, and in return you must turn over these papers and let me have whatever bears upon the matter. This is what it says. My dear Sherlock Holmes, Lord Blackwater tells me that I may place implicit reliance upon your judgment and discretion. I have determined, therefore, to call upon you and to consult you in reference to the very painful event which has occurred in connection with my wedding. Mr. Lestrade of Scotland Yard is acting already on the matter, but he assures me that he sees no objection to your cooperation, and that he even thinks it might be of some assistance. I will call at four o'clock in the afternoon, and should you have any other engagement at the time, I hope that you will postpone it, as this matter is of paramount importance. Yours faithfully, St. Simon. It's dated from Grosvenor Mansions, written with a quill pen, and the noble lord has had the misfortune to get a smear of ink upon the outer side of his right little finger remarked Holmes as he folded up the epistle. He says four o'clock, it's three now. He'll be here in an hour. Well, then I just have time, with your assistance, to get clear on the subject. Turn over those papers and arrange the extracts in their order of time, while I take a glance as to who our client is. He picked a red-covered volume from a line of books of reference beside the mantelpiece. Ah, here he is, he said, sitting down, flattening it upon his knee. Lord Robert Walsingham de Vere St. Simon, second son of the Duke of Balmoral. Hmm, 
Arms, Azure, three caltrops in chief over a fess sable. Born in 1846, he's 41 years of age, which is mature for marriage. Was undersecretary for the colonies in the late administration. The, the Duke, his father, was at one time secretary for foreign affairs. They inherit Plantagenet blood by direct descent. And tutor on the distaff side. Ha! Well, there's nothing very instructive in all this. I think I must turn to you, Watson, for something more solid. I have very little difficulty in finding what I want, said I, for the facts are quite recent, and the matter struck me remarkable. I fear to refer them to you, however, as I knew you'd had an inquiry on hand, and that you disliked other intrusions in the matters. Oh, you mean the little problem of the Grosvenor Square furniture van? Well, that's quite cleared up now, though indeed it was obvious from the first. Uh, pray give me the results of your newspaper selections. Oh, here's the first notice I can find. It's in the personal column of the Morning Post, and dates, as you see, some weeks back. A marriage has been arranged, it says, and will, if rumor is correct, very shortly take place between Lord Robert St. Simon, second son of the Duke of Balmoral, and Miss Hattie Doran, the only daughter of Aloysius Doran Esquire of San Francisco, California, USA. That is all. Terse and to the point, remarked Holmes, stretching his long, thin legs towards the fire. There was a paragraph amplifying this in one of the society papers of the same week. Ah, yes, here it is. There will soon be a call for protection in the marriage market. For the present free trade principle appears to tell heavily against our home product. One by one, the management of the noble houses of Great Britain is passing into the hands of our fair cousins from across the Atlantic. An important addition has been made during the last week to the list of prizes which has been borne away by these charming invaders. Lord St. Simon, who's shown himself for over twenty years proof against Little God's arrows, has now definitely announced his approaching marriage with Miss Hattie Duran, the fascinating daughter of a California millionaire. Miss Duran, whose graceful vigor and striking face attracted much attention at the Westbury House Festivals, is only a child, an only child, and it is currently reported that her dowry will run to considerably over six figures, with expectancies for the future. It is an open secret that the Duke Balmoral has been compelled to sell his pictures within the last few years, and as Lord St. Simon has no property of his own save the small estate of Birchmore, it's obvious the Californian heiress is not only the gainer by an alliance, which will enable her to make the easy and common transition from a Republican lady to a British peeress. "'Anything else?' asked Holmes, yawning. "'Ah, plenty. "'There's another note in the Morning Post "'to say the marriage would be an absolutely quiet one. "'It would be at St. George, Hanover Square. "'Only a half-dozen intimate friends would be invited, "'and that the party would return to the furnished house "'at Lancaster Gate, "'which has been taken by Mr. Aloysius Duran. Two days later, that is on Wednesday last, "'there's a curt announcement the wedding had taken place "'in the... Honeymoon would be passed at Lord Black, uh, Backwater's place uh, near Petersville. 
There are all the notices which appear before the disappearance of the bride. Before the what? asked Holmes with a start. The vanishing of the lady. When did she vanish, then? After the wedding breakfast. Indeed, that is more interesting than it promised to be. Quite dramatic, in fact. Uh, Yes, it, it struck me as being a little out of the common. They often vanish before the ceremony and occasionally during the honeymoon, but... I cannot call to mind anything quite so prompt as this. Pray, let me have the details. I warn you, they're very incomplete. Perhaps we may make them less so. Such as they are, they're set forth in a single article of a morning paper of yesterday, which I'll read to you. It's headed, Singular Occurrence at a Fashionable Wedding. The family of Lord Robert St. Simon has been thrown into the greatest consternation by the strange and painful episodes which have taken place in connection with his wedding. Ceremony, as shortly announced in the papers of yesterday, occurred on the previous morning, but it is only now known that it has been possible to confirm these strange rumors which have been so persistently floating about. In spite of the attempts of friends to hush the matter up, So much public attention has now been drawn to it that no good purpose can be served by affecting to disregard what is a common subject for conversation. The ceremony, which was performed at St. George's, Hanover Square, was a very quiet one, no one being present save the father of the bride, Mr. Aloysius Durand, the Duchess of Balmoral, Lord Blackwater, Lord Eustace, and Lady Clara St. Simon the younger brother and sister of the bridegroom, and Lady Alicia Whittington. The whole party proceeded afterward to the house of Mr. Aloysius Duran at Lancaster Gate, where breakfast had been prepared. And it appears some little trouble was caused by a woman, whose name has not been ascertained, who endeavored to force her way into the house after the bridal party, alleging that she had some claim upon Lord St. Simon. It was only after a painful and prolonged scene that she was ejected by the butler and the footman. The bride, who'd fortunately entered the house before this unpleasant interruption, had sat down to breakfast with the rest, when she complained of a sudden indisposition and retired to her room. Her prolonged absence having caused some comment, her father followed her but learned from her maid that she'd only come up to her chamber for an instant, caught up an ulster and bonnet, and hurried down to the passage. One of the footmen declared he'd seen a lady leave the house, thusly apparelled, but had refused to credit that it was his mistress, believing her to be with the company. On ascertaining that his daughter had disappeared, Mr. Aloysius Duran, in conjunction with the bridegroom, instantly put themselves in communication with the police, and a very energetic inquiries were made, which will probably result in a speedy clearing up of this very singular business. Up to a late hour last night, however, nothing had transpired as to the whereabouts of the missing lady. There are rumors of foul play in the matter, and it is said the police have caused the arrest of the woman who had caused the original disturbance, in the belief that, from jealousy or some other motive, she may have been concerned in the strange disappearance of the bride.
And that is all. Only one little other item in the morning papers, but it is a suggestive one. And it is that Miss Flora Millar, the lady who'd caused the disturbance, has actually been arrested. It appears she was formerly a danseuse at the Allegro, and that she has known the bridegroom for some years. No further particulars, and the whole case is in your hands now, so as far as it has been set forth from the public press. And an exceedingly interesting case it appears to be. I would not have missed it for all the world. But there is a ring at the bell, Watson, and as the clock makes it a few minutes after four, I have no doubt that this will prove to be our noble client. Do not dream of going, Watson, for I very much prefer having a witness, if only to check my own memory. And that's where we're going to leave it for tonight. We will continue this amazing adventure coming up in our next stream on Wednesday night. Cool beans. All right, guys. Thanks so much and gals for uh, <laughs> checking us out. We'll see you again on Wednesday. Until then, this is the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. Snort. <laughs>